Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson. I've got Kurt Mortensen here with me, locked and loaded for another groundbreaking show. We're glad to have you listening. And before we say hi to Kurt, hold back, Kurt, oh. a couple of housekeeping oh. items. <laughs> you can barely help yourself, can you? <laughs> tough. It's tough. It's tough. Well, first of all, everybody, thanks so much for the great feedback you've been sending in. One place where we're lacking feedback is on iTunes. When you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, you can leave reviews about, hey, this is the worst show ever, or I love this show, or ideally somewhere in between. We would like for you to leave some constructive and helpful feedback for people that are out there looking to listen to a show about persuasion and influence, and so they could read your feedback and go, hey, I'm going to listen to that, or maybe not. So we would very much appreciate your feedback on iTunes. It's easy there when you type Maximize Your Influence into the search bar on iTunes. It comes up in the podcast section that you can see down there in reviews and you can leave them. You just have to log in with your iTunes ID and uh, then they'll know that you're not some kind of phantom reviewer or that you're not Kurt who logs in and leaves 30 reviews every night, right? <laughs> we like to be a little more transparent than that. So that would be very appreciated and you're always welcome to send us your feedback directly to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. We love your feedback. We love your questions, your comments, and your suggestions, as always. And for those of you who have been thinking, hey, I might send those guys a little ninja write-up on who, who I think the Persuasion Ninja is, or maybe it's you, or maybe you had a horrible experience with a salesperson or a marketer, and you think, that guy is so Homer, Don't! I need to send that into the show. Whatever it is, please send it to us there, because guess what? We are going to do a drawing for a free download of Kurt's book, Maximize Your Influence. No, Maximum Influence. Should I know the name of the book? Let's cut. It would be helpful, but <laughs> it's close. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, let's cut that. But you, you can just hear me stumble all <laughs> over myself <laughs> on the show. So we're going to give away a free download of that book. If you send us in your ninja ideas, your Homer ideas, we want to hear them. They're always great to hear. So that takes care of the housekeeping. Kurt, the other guy on the show... <laughs> How are you? Oh, the other guy. Well, as the other guy, I'm doing quite well, actually. Feeling healthy, loving spring, getting ready for boating season, and I have to talk about food some more. What did I have this weekend that was good? I was up in the mountains, last couple days of skiing, and I had some really good Chinese food. So we have to cross that out with some good stir fry and... What were they? Wontons, I believe they were. So there's our food item of the day. Nice. I will see your food item and raise you. A, I went to Las Vegas on Thursday. It was a spring break over here, and my wife and I were able to go over to Las Vegas for the day, and I had a filet over at our favorite spot, Ruth's Chris. Oh, I thought you were going to say Lowry's. You got yourself some prime ribs, so you switched over to the Ruth Chris ribeye. Well, my wife and I, we have a pretty good marriage, but one spot where we're really struggling is for some reason along the way, she decided she didn't like Lowry's. Oh, man, you need to be more persuasive. I know a great podcast that'll teach you how to become more persuasive to convince your wife that prime rib is good. I've suggested counseling, <laughs> something we need to do <laughs> to fix this problem. That could tear a marriage apart right there. It's a strain, but... <laughs> 
you know, we got over it. We went to Ruth's Chris. There's only one Ruth's Chris in Las Vegas now, and it's actually in a new location. I don't know if you there remember, but be, it in that little three or four of them, right? Yeah, there used to be a bunch of them, and then it dwindled down to one or two. And one of them was in that dumpy little strip mall right off of Paradise uh, Avenue. Now it's right on the strip. It's in the Harrah's uh, Casino, and it you're on the second floor, just overlooking the strip. So you get a great steak, great food, and who can beat the people watching? on the Las Vegas Strip. You see all sorts of people. But I know what's wrong with the Lowry's. It's the spinning salad. They yeah, they do spin that. their salad. She would love to go there. I'm calling it right there. Now, you, on the other hand, wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt's not a big fan of the spinning salad at Lowry's. Yeah, just give me the salad. Don't spin it for me. <laughs> but I still, I can overlook that for a good piece of prime rib, though. That's correct. That's what's going on in the food world. I know you've all been dying to hear more about it, but unfortunately, we need to talk about something that relates to the show, or at least that's what you tell us in your email. So <laughs> let's uh, let's get into the show and let's lead off with an article. What do you say, boss? Let's do it. Cool. I've got a good one from the Harvard Business Review. We've been Ivy League lately with a listener from Cornell. Now we're going to Harvard. We do that to cover our lack of intelligence. It makes us sound smarter than we actually are, but... It was a great article about marketing, and I'll post a link to it on the blog so that you can all read it. I think it's very useful, but it's called Don't Settle for Being an Er Brand. And what does that mean, right? You see in marketing, you see on billboards, on TV ads, in your email, we are better than this guy, or we are bigger than that guy, right? It's a way to compare your product and hopefully pump the benefits of the product. But the argument of the article is that that's just a losing place to start from. And I'll read you a couple of quick items from the article that I think make it very useful. Author, who is uh, Denise Leon, says, An ER position is a dangerous one to adopt. It relegates your brand to subordinate status compared to the brand used as your reference point. And it tells customers that your brand possesses only comparative value rather than having its own inherent value. It also puts your brand under constant pressure to introduce new products on Brand X's timeline, because now your brand value is tied to Brand X's product. You have little basics for achieving meaningful and sustained differentiation. Great brands never settle for being an ER brand. The brands that capture the imagination of customers and investors alike are those that have no reference point other than themselves. So I thought that was a pretty good point. You see, this was pretty apparent, and I think just now, finally, are some of the other smartphone makers besides Apple doing this. I mean, forever, it was everybody's catching up to the iPhone, right? And, and having to say, we're better than the iPhone, we're better than the iPhone. And still, they're doing that. The iPhone is the reference point. A lot of people would say that the Samsung products have caught up or are even better. But uh, on those commercials, they're still having to say it. Notice Apple, they just say, well, we're Apple. And this is us. This is what we do. I don't know. What do you think, Kurt? Yeah, I agree with that article. Because if you're always attacking somebody else, first of all, that puts you in a, the attack mode and it actually hurts you more than it helps you, the studies show. And then you need to have your own unique selling proposition. You need to be unique somehow instead of always picking on the big guys or picking even on the little guys. Because if you say, I'm better than Apple, if someone has an iPhone and you say, oh, we're better, these guys are so loyal, as you know, that it doesn't matter what the other person says. They need to go after the people that are sitting on the fence or the people who don't like an iPhone versus attacking the people that are already using it and liking it. So there's a lot of things that could really go wrong in that situation versus finding your benefits, what's unique, build your brand, build your name, work on that, spend your marketing dollars on that versus attacking the other person. Because like they said, if you're always attacking the other person, they 
if they get bigger and better and something changes, you still got to find something to attack because that's the only marketing you know how to do. Yeah, you're at their mercy. Whenever they release a product, you're going to have to do it too. And it's going to have to be er, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's just easy marketing to attack the other person. But even one-on-one persuaders, don't attack the competition. Don't pull anybody down. Don't demean the boss because it always comes back to haunt you. You need to be positive. You need to be uplifting. Find the benefits of what you're doing. Because, yeah, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, they're no good. But when you attack, let's say you go out there buying mattresses and they attack the per- the company you just saw – They probably won't buy from either one of you. You've sabotaged yourself. You've got to be very careful not to demean the competition. Yeah, you've probably just made a sale for some other third party that doesn't do that, right? The clients view it as squabbling, and you really do. You commoditize yourself. You know, you think when you go buy gasoline or something, you just really look for the cheapest price, or you go to the grocery store. Last night I was at the grocery store buying avocados, right? What am I looking for? The cheapest price. That's, That's all I care about because an avocado is an avocado, right? Unless, you know, a lot of people out there really love Costco, which I've said on the show before is a very expensive place to save money. But (laughs) they have really good produce and it's you kind of get beyond the commodity of, well, yeah, this one's Costco. These are bigger. They're better uh, than the standard avocado. It's different. And I used some errs there, but it had the brand behind it that makes me think of it differently and and potentially willing to spend more money. My dad, he's a printing broker, right? He prints forms for construction companies and hospitals. And he's, he's the first to admit that he's in a declining industry, which he is. But he gets calls all the time of, hey, can I have your price on XYZ form? He doesn't even take those calls anymore because he doesn't want to get into the commodity battle, the, the be cheaper than that guy because of this. He wants to sell more the value of his company and a complete solution to their printing needs. So if you don't want to commoditize yourself and just be viewed as is that product is is you to a large degree and you've got to bring some some value and that's the point people don't fight on price because only people that fight on price are those who don't know how to influence they don't know how to persuade they don't know how to build the value of their brand and what they're doing exactly right and we wanted to talk for the content section of the show today about a law in one of your books in maximum influence that we are giving away via a drawing for those of you that send in your blunders or your your homer simpson moments well i got a better idea i said if we use their ninja or blunder on the show they automatically get the audios okay well then it better be good right because yeah it better be good and if we use it it's got to be good right if we talk about it it has to be good is it not a given i would certainly (laughs) hope so i i hope we're not putting crappy stuff on the show Let well, us hope. <laughs> yeah, we have we have high hopes here for the show. I'm, you're you're in good hands, listeners. So that's great. Then if we feature it on the show, we're we're gonna send you the, the downloads to the book. So that'll be great. In the meantime, going kind of back to what we were talking about, the law of esteem is I, I've heard you say before when you were doing the research for the book. There's a ton of research that went into this, all kinds of studies. And if you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody that you didn't have law the law of esteem penciled in is one of the laws. But the more you went into the research, the more it kept coming up and the more you realized, hey, I got to I got to work this thing in here. Clearly, it's impacting how people make decisions. Is that right? Yeah, when you look at persuasion and negotiations, a lot of time we want to win the argument. We want to have a better fishing story. We want to back someone to a quarter. We want to prove that we were right and they're wrong. But the studies show that when you 
bruise somebody's ego, you pull down their self-esteem, the doors of persuasion just slam shut. And they doesn't matter what you say. You could prove them wrong. You could back them in the corner. You could argue with them, and, but you're not going to be able to persuade them. And the big eye-opener was, it was a study. It was looking at the relationship between people at a company and their supervisors. Why were they mad at the company? Why were they mad at the supervisors? And of course, the supervisors all say, well, it's money. It's money. It's got to be money. And that didn't even get to the top five. Here are the number one reasons workers were dissatisfied. Failing to give credit, failing to correct grievances, failing to encourage, criticizing in private, not asking opinions. Hello? Those are all ego and self-esteem related, and people don't even realize it, how important it is to boost someone's ego, understand self-esteem, because if you don't, you can't persuade. That is so true, because I had a broker that I worked for a while back. And it was well known that he didn't pay the best. It was easy to go out there and find competition that was willing to pay a lot more money. But the funny thing was, is I stayed for quite a while. I ended up leaving for an unrelated manner to pursue another opportunity. But I felt like I had input and that I was valued and that I was listened to. And if I needed something changed in the company, I could raise the concern I was listened to and, and they responded the best way that they could. That certainly went a long way. And so, yeah, even though I thought, I wish I could make more, it really did just kind of stem that tide of people leaving to go make more money elsewhere. That's exactly true. When people feel needed and wanted and part of the team, they don't worry about that closed-door meeting. Are they talking about me? What's going on? What's happening over there? Uh Uh-oh. All these things come into play when there's lack of esteem, there's lack of praise. All these things go together. And that's one of the surprising things about the the research was like, wow, this is a lot bigger than anybody thought that how those emotions and the self-esteem come into play as far as how fast you can influence somebody. So can you go over the top? We've all had people compliment us and and we know it's just a bunch of, it's just a bunch of fluff, right? (laughs) So is that going to be a problem? Well, if you... Start walking around the office with a list of employees and say, oh, good job today, and check their name off, and they see it, probably. (laughs) Or they might say, oh, yeah, they just listened to a podcast. They're just doing that for a little while. So you can go over the top, but for the most part, praise or what's the scientific term in gradation. You look great in that dress. Even though we know they're going to commission, for the most part, it really tends to work because we're so hungry for praise or recognition. And there's a formula that you can follow to make sure you're doing it the right way. But for the most part, you have to understand praise and how it works. And that brings up a funny story about this guy who went to the seminar and he, he learned about, oh, you need to praise more. We need to boost self-esteem. And he realized he, he wasn't doing that to his own wife. So he went and got some chocolate and flowers and came home. And his wife was at the computer, turned around and just started crying. And he's like, Whoa. he was thinking, I just got flowers and chocolate and you're crying. She's like, man, I just had a terrible day. Johnny Jr. got in trouble at school. There's a new ding in the car, and you come home drunk. <laughs> Meaning that if they don't see it coming or you do it the wrong way or out of the blue, you're praising them too much, it could work. So there is a specific formula that you can go through that will help when you really learn how to praise people. So you're going to have to ease into this. If you've been not doing a good job at it and all of a sudden, hey, you know, you're slapping everybody on the back, this is not going to go well. Exactly. But you know, on one hand, those that ingratiate and compliment in the workplace get raises, they get more promotions. Now, everyone else can see right through it, but the person getting praise or ingratiate, a lot of the times they can't. In fact, 
I was with my wife. We were shopping. I didn't want to go to the store she went into. And I'm like, I'm going to go to the suit store. She's like, you don't need a suit. I'm like, I'm just going to see how persuasive they are. And we walk in, and this well-dressed gentleman comes up to me and says, oh, well, what are you looking for? I'm like, a suit. So what color? I'm like, probably blue, because as we know, that's the most credible color. And he says, what size are you? I'm like, I'm not sure. And so he measured my waist, and he measured my chest. He measured my chest again. He says, do you work out? <laughs> like, why, <laughs> yes, I do. And he says, yeah, I could tell because you need the athletic cut. So I came up with a suit that day because it was on sale, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's just something about that when you can really do it. And I knew he had something to gain, and I knew the laws of persuasion. But when it's done right, when it's done the right way, it makes a big difference. And, in fact, here's the formula. Write this down when you really want to do it the right way. Now, if you just do it out of the blue, it's still better than nothing. The first one is you only want to praise positive things. We don't praise anything negative. If you went to a family reunion and said, Uncle Joe, you're still alive, good for you. I thought you'd be dead by now with the way you eat. <laughs> Probably <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be a good one. So number one, make sure it's positive. Number two, make sure it's sincere. They can feel that it's coming from your heart. That's an easy one. That's a given. And the third one and the most important one is make sure it's specific. Because if you praise someone with low self-esteem, they'll discount it. So you need to be as specific as possible. Hey, the way you handled the Jones case. Hey, when you were on the phone with so-and-so, the way you handled yourself in the meeting, what you did during your presentation, when they can't refute it, when you're specific, it works wonders. Make sure it's as specific as possible. Otherwise, they'll discount it. Now, on the flip side, when someone praises you, don't discount the praise because that discounts them. It does just as much for the praiser as it does the praisee. We say thank you. It's very simple. Don't discount the praise that they're giving you. This goes both ways. You follow this formula, it will go a long way. Don't bring a checklist around. Be sincere about it. Study after study shows that this works. That's all good stuff. So if you're working with a company, for example, maybe you're trying to persuade somebody over there, an account manager or something to take on your product or or your supplies. Phrases like, hey, look, one of the big reasons I'm here is I've always admired how your company handles X, Y, Z, or like you said, something specific. And even if that guy is not the person at the company <laughs> that made that happen, that made that good thing happen, we'll take anything we can get. That's kind of the theme I'm hearing with what you're saying is people are so starved for genuine praise, genuine compliments in their life that they'll even take the, the fake stuff, right? They'll take the tofu compliments and, the, and praise, right? Absolutely. Self-esteem's at an all-time low, and self-esteem's how much we like ourselves. And the more praise we get, the more we can like ourselves. And if I say, I admire you guys, your stock's up 24%, shows that you've done your research, it's a boost to their ego, and that makes a big difference in what they're able to do. Even waiters and waitresses, you say, well, I want the, well, following your lead, the ribeye. They might say something like, excellent choice. You're like, well, yes, it is. Of course it is. I always make excellent choices. That's just a little slight boost to the esteem, and it's a simple thing, and it works really well. We have, in my business in real estate, and like I said, I help people buy income properties, and we refer our clients to different property suppliers and lenders across the country, and we have one particular lender that I refer a lot of business to, and we had our annual conference back in January at a hotel in Irvine, California, and we invite our clients and and many of these property suppliers and lenders and property managers all to come to this. And it's a two-day event where we talk about what's going on and people invest in properties and such. And the lenders, 
they want the client's business, but they want my business and, and my colleagues' business too because they know we have influence with the clients. If we tell a client, hey, you should go talk to XYZ lender, they're going to be able to do a good job for you. I would say nine times out of 10, the client does and the lender gets their business. Well, this lender comes up to a few of us and, and says, hey, I want to buy you guys lunch today. You guys have been so great to work with. I so appreciate it. The least I can do is buy you lunch, right? So, you know, we're getting obligated here and, and we all knew it and we're all fine with it, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so we sit down and she says, well, guys, I've got a lot going this year. I wanted you to be the first to tell that. I really do. I work with a few different companies like you, but you guys really are the Rolls Royce of this industry. There's nobody I'd rather work with. And so yeah, that's why I'm buying you lunch and wanted to tell you about these new products we're rolling out for the year so you can let your clients know about them. We're, of course, sitting there being told we're the Rolls Royce of the industry, right? I'll take that. I'll just sit there and go, yeah, yeah. I'm the Rolls Royce. You're right. Keep speaking. You're right. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Come on. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I continue to refer clients over to her. She does a great job and she's a great persuader. She knows how to work with people. I think that was a good example of what you're talking about here. It's an excellent example. And even, you know, she's probably just saying that it still feels good. You want to agree with it. It goes a long way. Then on the flip side, when you tear somebody down, when you beat them up, it might feel good to you. It just has the opposite effect. It amazes me how many people yell at their waiters or waitresses, these people that have their food in the back room. Okay. Oh, I know. You've got to be insane. <laughs> yeah, you crazy. In fact, I was traveling with a famous personal development speaker. I won't name names. And our flight was delayed. We were on the kind of the circuit going from city to city and got in late to, I think it was Orlando, two, three o'clock in the morning. We had to be up by seven o'clock to start this big seminar. And I let them check in first. And he's like, oh, so-and-so. And she says, okay, let's check you in. He says, uh, do you know who I am? And she's like, well, no. She says, well, I, I'm this famous speaker and I do this and this and I want an upgrade. I support your hotel all the time. She's all, sorry, sir, we can't. She says, you have to give me an upgrade because I have this big seminar here and I stay here all the time and I need an upgrade. You need to give me an upgrade right now. So, sorry, sir, I can't. She says, I want to speak to your manager. And guess what she said? Oh, boy. <laughs> I am the manager. Because <laughs> it was late at night and he just kept going and pushing and pushing and he left disgruntled and I waited a second and I went up there and I said, look, you know, I apologize as a human. No one should be treated that way. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's all right. I'm used to it. Don't worry about it. We talked a little, little connection, found something we had in common. The next thing I know, I wasn't even thinking about this. She says, Hey, would you like an upgrade? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it can be that simple. We have to be careful because sometimes when we yell at a waiter or somebody at the airport or a flight attendant sometimes we get our way but more and more i don't think the squeaky wheel gets the grease i think the squeaky wheel is going to get replaced and i think if you use that technique way too much people just want to deal with it you're gonna have the opposite effect and it's just so much simpler to praise and understand people and people more willing to go to bat for you and help you out whether it's an upgrade at a hotel or an airline if you're influencing up and you want to work with other people praise is so simple in fact you pull out your calculators and you want to figure out how much praise costs, it would be mm, zero and the returns are unlimited. Good point. So did John Doe Speaker ever find out that you got the upgrade and he didn't? I was tempted many times to say something, but I didn't. <laughs> I bet he would have thrown a tantrum. He would have laid down on the floor like my three-year-old and arched <laughs> his back. <laughs> I'm not gonna, well, yeah, that could have happened. We'll have to <laughs> I'm baiting you here. I can't get you to cough it up. 
No, I attempted, but I'm still doing some things with this person. Uh, okay, okay. Well, I think I know who you're talking about. We'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> I've seen this praise concept, like you're saying, you're catching more flies with, with honey than vinegar in this instance. And how true is it with the government and law enforcement, right? These people that have a lot of power over you, yet somehow people want to argue with the cop and say, I wasn't going that fast, or are you an idiot? There's people out there dealing meth right now. You're pulling me over for six miles over the speed limit. Or I had a, a little fight going with the IRS once, right? They thought I owed them more money than I did. And people, oh, you got to stand your ground. I thought, well, I don't know. These people, they can make your life miserable, right? And I've just found that, hey, letting the government entity or letting the police know you are the all-wise government entity, I wouldn't even begin to know how have your level of knowledge and I throw myself at your feet and I get very favorable outcomes by taking that approach. And it's totally fake, right? Ingratiation like you were talking about because they're idiots most of the time. I can tell you that uh, that incompetence that they're probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Doubtful. And that's your police officers. Oh, when was your gun calibrated? What about this? And you did this. And why don't you do this? Don't you have better things to do? Yeah, spit on the person that has a gun and that wants to give you a ticket when you can use humor or ingratiation or something simple or any of those things. It doesn't guarantee you're going to get out of the ticket, but at least they might write you down 10 miles an hour and save you a couple hundred dollars or a lot of times get out of that ticket. Yeah, you got to be out of your mind to argue with, with the police officer. I, Whenever I get pulled over, I just tell them, I say, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, well, officer, if I had to guess, I was speeding, and that's totally my fault, so... Uh, whatever you need to do here, sir, I, I completely understand. Let me know what you need. And I think nine times out of 10, they, hey, look, you know, I understand. I'm just going to give you a warning today. I only got the ticket once that we were driving from Indianapolis to Warren Dunes on Lake Michigan, kind of across the lake from Chicago to meet with some family. This is when I lived in Indianapolis. And we took a, a bad turn and driving through some cornfield in Indiana. And there is a Indiana State Police that had nothing else going on, and I used the line on him, and it didn't work. He was really bored. <laughs> they really needed revenue, I think. So, But I all have, in all, it's a successful technique. I had one. I was traveling through scenic Winnemucca, if listeners know where that is. That's in the middle of Nevada, and I was flying. And yes, I was speeding, and I had my, I think about a one-year-old daughter in the back fast asleep, two, three o'clock in the morning. There are the lights, and I just said, yeah, I am speeding, officer. I'm I'm tired and there's nothing to see. I'm falling asleep, but I need to get my family to the hotel. And he's like, well, I'm still going to have to give you a ticket. And so he gave me a $5 wasting gas ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm wrong. But I admit it. So when I got a ticket, it was 5 bucks. It wasn't a moving violation. I guess I was wasting gas. I plead guilty to that. But Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's no guarantee, but it'll sure help most of the time. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, we're going a little thick on time, but I'm not done yet. So sit tight, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you about one more thing, and I think it ties into where we've been going about this. But tell me about the law of esteem and ego and what we should be aware of there. Well, the challenge is, is when you look at self-esteem or ego that, again, when you bruise an ego, back someone to a corner, they're going to come out fighting. Psychologists say a lot of times everything we say is either to, to save our self-esteem or to enhance our self-esteem. And when we look at these things, you have to realize that a lot of times we have that natural reaction to fight back, to put someone down, to make us feel better. We have the famous, well, I got a bigger fishing story. You have to understand that everyone wants to be part of the team. 
Everyone wants respect. Everyone wants approval. That is what we're looking for here. And they wanted it. It's deep down and we're not getting it. Self-esteem's at an all-time low. In fact, the studies show that 80% of third graders have decent self-esteem. Again, how much you like yourself. 20% of fifth graders have a healthy self-esteem. And by the time they're in 12th grade, that 80% has gone down to 5%. Like, well, what's happening? Well, part of it's the, the commercials. You got to look like this, smell like this, be this skinny. Part of it's the sitcoms where that's not reality. Part of it's the schooling system to where if you don't fit the mold, you aren't going to graduate, you aren't going to college, you're not going to be successful. But if you can really understand how it works, that when you could boost someone's ego, you can make them feel better about themselves, you can give them a pat on the back, you can praise them, they want to be persuaded and influenced by you. I've seen it where you can, can leverage it to getting control of a situation, especially when we had Jerry Clark on the show, he was talking about those red personalities, right? The people who want control, they want to be in charge. They want to feel like they're winning. When they're kind of taking that position, and you've talked about this in your book, you can challenge the ego. I've done this a lot with hard money lenders. I deal with them a lot in my business. And lenders and banks, right? We've talked about this before. They need your business, but somehow they make you feel like you're a complete schmuck for even walking in, right? <laughs> <laughs> and line I frequently use with these hard money lenders is, hey, here's the project I've got. This isn't going to be right for most hard money lenders. I don't even know if you guys can do this, but I thought I'd just try typically only hard money lenders with X amount of capital uh, and you know X amount of years experience would take this on. Yeah, absolutely. Especially that type of personality. A lot of times with men, well, I don't know if your team can handle this and you have the authority to make the decision, can't you, right? Those type of things where, well, yes, I can make the decision. My team can do that to where you can challenge the ego sometimes. We see that with managers. We see that even with football coaches where they'll challenge somebody. Somebody's late, they make them run, but they don't do that anymore. If someone's late for practice, the person who's late has to watch the rest of the team run while the person that was late watches them. That would be a challenge to their ego, a challenge to their life. And that happens quite a bit in the courtroom. It happens on, on sports teams. It even happens in in business to where sometimes you want to challenge the ego to just kind of get them to the point where say, yes, I can. I can do that. And it does have that effect. Yeah. There's a book out there. I can't even remember the author's name. I'd love to get him on the show. It's called Pitch Anything. And much of the book centers around how to gain control of the room. He has a thing he calls beta traps, right? Where... You go in to sell a business and they put you in the beta trap, which is the waiting room. <laughs> Talks about the best beta trap that he's ever seen, which was Walmart headquarters in Bentonville, Arkansas, where they have this mill that they run these people through that are pitching products to stock on the Walmart shelves. And it's just an insane beta trap where they make you feel like we're in charge, you're below us, and we'll ask the questions here. He gave a pretty entertaining technique for challenging an ego and gaining control of a room if you're presenting to a group of people, you'll typically you'll put a folder or some information down on the conference room table. And these guys, these alphas that want to take control, they'll grab at it before you're ready to talk about it in your presentation. And you playfully snatch it back and with a smile on your face, ah, not yet. We'll get there. <laughs> and it's a very kind of, I don't want to say underhanded, but a very sneaky way to to gain control and challenge somebody's ego. Hey, are you really in charge here? Because it looks like I am. Oh, well, Walmart's famous for that. I was talking to somebody locally, these commercial brokers that were showing Walmart some property, and they had a rental car and a few other things. And the Walmart people actually took this guy's rental car and left him there. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. I don't know if it was a power play or an ego or a blow to the ego. Like, we were looking at some other things. You're not showing us the right stuff, and they just left. So that. <laughs> and they took his rental car? Yeah. <laughs> you know what would straighten out that power play real quickly is to call and report the rental car is stolen. There you go. And what street it was on. Yeah, I just saw a car stolen. Yeah, then that you would... show up and bail him out at the police station. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, guys, I don't know what's going on. You just took off. But, hey, we can go look at some more properties if you're ready. Yeah, but we'll uh, Spend some time talking about power plays one of these times. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. On it. We want to do an episode on negotiations, Dirty Deeds. We're just trying to get the rights to play the song Dirty Deeds by ACDC. There on the you air. go. Because I am unwilling to do that show without that song playing. <laughs> we'll just have you hum it in the background. Yeah, that's, that's just as good, I think. <laughs> almost. 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 <laughs> Well, we've gone long today, but it was a great episode. I just wanted to feature a ninja. Cue the ninja. Oh, there it is. There's the ninja. So guess what? This is a good one, short and sweet. We're not going to elaborate on it a lot because you can all guess why it's genius. A friend of mine who lives down the street from me told me this story about a door-to-door salesman that came to his house. And I wish this guy came to my house. And the encounter went something like this. Knock on the door. He opens it. Guy standing there. The guy says, Hey, how would you like it if I was the last door-to-door salesman you ever saw? So he says, <laughs> Okay. And the so guy opens his suitcase. I'd like to offer you this fine selection of no soliciting signs. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he bought one. It was a fantastic pitch. I mean, just easy. Kudos to you, unnamed door-to-door salesman. You are the persuasion ninja of the week i like it quick simple and it's got a captive audience and they've already said yes and he's got the solution bingo yep fantastic all right everybody thanks for listening to the show we'll be back next week with more awesome information for you so you can become a persuasion ninja and always remember to send your feedback comments questions and insults to maximize your influence at gmail.com have a great week see you soon 